Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast reviewing day one of the first test between Australia and India in sunny Pune, where at stumps the tourists are 9 for 256. An ill Matthew Renshaw made 68, Mitchell Stark blasted a lower order cameo of 57, while India speed star Yumesh Yadav claimed 4 for 32. Here to review all the action is cricket.com.au senior writer Andrew Ramsey. Rambo, after previewing this series for what feels like an eternity, did it live up to your expectations? Uh, it certainly featured a few of the things we thought would be... Features, for want of a better word, uh, a very, very strange pitch, um, conditions that were conducive to spin bowling, um, probably a little bit uncertainty from Australian batting against spin bowling, but at the end of the day, they probably wouldn't be unhappy with uh, 9 for 256, um, given that the conditions they played in, and the fact that they were... Nine for barely 200 and looked like being rolled over for a subpar score. So uh, it contained some surprise elements, but some very familiar elements as well. Let's start with the toss. Rambo, Australia had no hesitation in batting first when the coin landed Steve Smith's way. Uh, the teams, Australia went uh, in with that predictable 11 we all sort of thought they'd go with, with a combination of Mitchell Marsh, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hayeswood, Nathan Lyon and Steve O'Keefe. Though word on the street, Rambo, is they were very, very close to playing a third spinner. So uh, that pitch... It's crackling up already. It's spinning from ball one. The Aussies were tempted to go with that third spinner, which is what India did. They brought Jayant Yavid in for Bhuvaneshwar Kumar from their last test against Bangladesh. No surprises there, Rambo, really, in the end? Uh, no, I think Stephen Smith spoke a little bit uh, on the day before the test about the how important they thought reverse swing would be on this pitch. Uh, the fact that there's a fairly abrasive wicket block and the ball might chop up a bit. Um, and the truth be known, they should have flagged their intentions in the tour game in Bombay when they played Mitchell Marsh um, and batted him at six as he was going to do in the test team. They didn't use that opportunity to, to give a third spinner a go. I'm glad Maxwell played in that match but didn't really bowl. So uh, no real surprise there. And the fact that, as you mentioned, uh, the Indian seamer Umesh Yadav took four of the wickets mm. as a faster bowler might be suggesting that they got that right. Time will tell. Time will tell, Rambo. What about the pitch? We got to interview Shane Warne before the start of play, and he, he said it was an eight-day pitch before day one, which is quite alarming. He said it was uh, going to spin early, and it did spin early, to be fair to him. Ashman was brought into the attack in just a second over. Nine wickets fell on day one. How many are going to fall on day two, three, and maybe four when this pitch gets older and more worn out? Uh, yeah, there were some disturbing signs there. And Shane Warne has done a lot of travelling, and I... I, I bow to his um, opinion when he says uh, the pitch itself looked like the surface of Mars. <laughs> he's pretty well-travelled. I'm not sure he's that well-travelled. Well, he does get around. And <laughs> there was uh, some worrying signs that have been the first couple of overs of the day when the, the bowlers were leaving you know, quite hefty footmarks and the crease lines were scuffing up like to the point there's loose rubble everywhere um, mm. after about three or four overs. So you just got to wonder, batting was... Not impossible, but certainly tricky on day one. There was balls that were kind of spitting and spinning and some that um, didn't bounce as much as would have been expected. Um, so by day two and day three, that's going to be quite problematic. I'd, you'd have to think it probably wouldn't go much into day four. Given the wear and tear on the pitch, it's only going to get drier and crumblier, if that's a word. Uh, mm. And 
batting, uh, you have to think that anything over 300, anything around 300 is a first inning score. If they can somehow push it out to that, would be a, a pretty handy runs in the bank, I would think. Well, you can't judge a pitch until both teams have batted on it, Rambo. That's one of the old-fashioned rules of cricket, isn't it? That is. That's, a, that's what's known as a truism in truism. cricket. Great, yes. Well, the first big moment of drama happened uh, in the 15th over when David Warner was bowled around his legs on 20 by Jayant Yadav, the bowler. He delivered a huge no ball. Rambo, uh, <laughs> we're all a bit stunned. We didn't really know what happened then, did we? I don't think anyone knew what happened. I don't, David Warner didn't know what happened to the ball. Um, there wasn't seen to be a lot of reaction from the Indians because it was such a big no ball that the call came quite early. So uh, I'm not sure if David Warner took off for a run straight away as it scooted down towards fine leg, but maybe... He was unaware that it had clipped the stumps. Who knows? Um, it was a bit of a. It was the faster, flatter one. He may have uh, exerted so much effort that he's overstepped by uh, a good foot or so in the old money. But um, you have to thought at that stage, having won the toss, got the opportunity to bat, having had a reprieve with their uh, opening batsman bold, but then reprieved on a no ball. You thought things were really running in the favour of the tourists. Well, we'll get to the running a little bit later. Rambo Warner uh, was eventually at the. Yeah, uh, Umash Yadav, he chopped on, dragged on for 38. It ended an opening stand of 82, and one that looked pretty good, considering it's sort of a pretty new combination against a ball that was spinning and uh, was spinning pretty square from almost ball one. Uh, and uh, very new in that Matthew Renshaw hasn't played any cricket in India. Well, he hadn't played any test cricket in India. He played one tour game. Um, so the fact that he adapted to conditions as well as he did, and he was thrown at the deep end, he was... Uh, given the uh, opportunity to face the first ball. There was none of this, uh, you're the new kid on the block, you can uh, <laughs> ease your way and watch how I do it, son, from the other end. There, it's, there it is, there you go. That was the vice-captain pulling rank, wasn't it? And he goes, no, I don't want any deal with this, mate. You go and take that first over. That's right. You take the first ball, I'll cop the spinner from the other end. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and they, were, they weren't they were rattling along, but they were certainly finding runs. Um, yeah, I think it was the 28th over or something when uh, Umesh Yadav was throwing the ball. So when your second... Seamer, you're notionally your new ball bowler is, comes on just before lunch. Um, you have to think that uh, there's a bit of a change of strategy. And yeah, 80, none for 82, they were looking in reasonable nick. But then, uh, as can so often happen on the subcontinent, things turned quite sharply. Yes, well, they say one week it brings two, but probably not in the fashion that everyone was expecting. Because as David Warner left the field, Matthew Renshaw followed him. Uh, it took a little bit of persuading from first uh, the umpire to make sure that he could retire ill. He had an upset stomach. Renshaw then had to convince his captain what was going on. He had no idea what was going on. Uh, Renshaw off the field with an upset stomach. If we were a bit confused about the Warner no ball wicket, we were absolutely perplexed about what was happening with Matty Renshaw. Yeah, it must have been a strange moment for uh, Stephen Smith to uh, walk out to talk to his batting partner to be told, I'm off as well. He's waving um, Sean Marsh onto the ground. You, you can take this on your own, Skipper. <laughs> um, but not nearly as uh, uncomfortable as it would have been for Matthew Renshaw, who clearly, he said he was he knew sort of 10 or 15 minutes before the definitive moment that he was in a bit of strife. Mm. Um, anyone who's had the, uh, the gurgles <laughs> would know that that's, uh, it's a difficult to concentrate on oh. much else when you're... Uh, particularly if you were dressed in all white and you're in the, you're in the middle of a, a public arena being beamed around the world on global television. I mean, you, you need to take these things into account. Um, no, you'd almost just go and slide or, or run or something, wouldn't you, just to make sure, just to cover your tracks, so to speak? Well, yeah, you didn't quite know if you'd end up in the green bit or the brown bit, as it were, but uh, <laughs> it was it was unfortunate for him because he wasn't quite sure if he could retire real or whether that would mean that he had to retire out. Um, and as a young guy playing in his uh, you know, fifth test match, it's a pretty... 
tricky circumstance, his first overseas trip. He's the senior batsman suddenly because he's got runs on the board mm. and he's very much in. Um, so, yes, it was a little bit of a kerfuffle and confusion. I'm sure that Sean Marsh was delighted to know that he was coming in straight away when he, without another ball being faced. But uh, they seemed to adapt quite well, he and Stephen Smith. And as it turned out, you know, Matt Renshaw had a couple of teaspoons full of concrete and was uh, ready to go within an hour or so. He did say after the play that it, the decision was a tough one because only, not only was he not feeling great, but he didn't want to let the team down at the loss of a wicket. He was essentially bringing in an, uh, well, he was bringing another batsman who hadn't faced the ball. So all of a sudden, from non day two to having two blokes out in the middle that haven't faced a delivery each between them uh, was obviously a tough spot for, for Renshaw and wouldn't have been an easy decision, although one that had to be made. Yes, he had only given a lot of think time there um, when you're dashing. Um, <laughs> and apparently... From what he said, the, the captain wasn't delighted when he passed no. on that news. But the, he said, was Alan Border. He said, no, Alan Border was very cranky about it, which is unusual for Alex. He's normally very uh, kind of upbeat and, and chirpy. Um, but they sorted it out. Uh, Matthew Renshaw and Stephen Smith, apparently, they've had a chat after the game, after Matt Renshaw obviously came out of his cubicle. And uh, they've uh, it's all water under the bridge. So to speak. So at lunch, Australia were one for 84. Sean Marsh then was the next one to go. He was out for 16. Ball hit the pad and the glove off giant. He was gone. Um, then India wasted their second review. They they burnt through their first one in the 10th over, thinking they had Matt Renshaw caught behind. Uh, Snicko showed nothing. Then they had uh, Steve Smith out. LBW, again, not out. Collier reviews it. Um, we kind of highlighted this as a bit of a weakness for the Indians. Rambo on our preview podcast uh, and didn't use them very well while, while the Australians were much more um, judicious judicious using them even though Matthew Wade burnt one at the end of the day I suppose he was kind of the last recognised batsman you can forgive him for that I guess it's going to be a big part of the series isn't it Rambo with ball spinning going past the bat hitting the pads there's going to be a lot of umpires call in this series so I, I would say that the Australians probably said unless it's a real shocker or something you might think you can get away with leave it because the umps, umps call now with the new rule uh, interpretation is normally going to stand up. Uh, yeah, and you have to think that the, the way the India used it in the first couple of hours was probably not uh, showed a little bit of naivety. Um, it also shows that um, you can get a little bit carried away when the, the pitch is doing a bit. Uh, the balls, you know, there's as you say, a lot of fielders around the bat. The ball's sliding on. You think that's going to hit the stumps, but um, once you've used a, the DRS system a little bit, you start to realise it's not that easy to overturn an on-field decision, especially for an LBW. Um, uh, when the you need to have a the weight of evidence going in your favour to get that to change, um, I noticed that Nathan Lyon used one at the end of the day as well. When clearly uh, it was a bit of a roll the dice scenario. Um, yeah. Well, I think they just got the reviews back, didn't they? Yeah. They were eight down, and he thought, well, well, well it was worth it at well. that stage, isn't it? When you you're about to they about to reset the meter. Um, so yes, uh, some very shrewd judges did note that maybe a. a a factor in the series. Uh, are we patting ourselves on the back there, are we? No, just you. Peter Hanscom, he batted well for his 22, uh, but he was undone by a ball that straightened from Jadeja. Jadeja got two wickets like that. Hanscom playing back to the ball that didn't spin and went straight on. And then um, Mitchell Marsh, the exact same, exactly the same dismissal. Hanscom thought about reviewing. He actually talked to Steve Smith about it, but the skipper said, oh, I think it's pretty plum and replay showed that it was going to crash in the middle stump. And then Mitch Marsh... He didn't even look at the umpire. I think he just wheeled around and, and walked off. Five balls later, after Hanscom was dismissed, Steve Smith went. He chipped Ashwin to Coley at short mid-wicket or short mid-on. The Aussies were four for 149. Just before, say, Rambo, that patience uh, that patience game that the Australians were playing, the scoreboard probably wasn't ticking along as, over as much as they would have liked. 
did you think then that maybe that collapse might have come and all that hard work, batting all that time, might have been for nothing? Uh, that's the danger, isn't it? When you um, they set themselves a very clear target to bat 150 overs um, in their first innings because they think that will give them a score of you know, 550, 600, which is um, what they believe um, you need to have to put pressure on India on their home turf. But if you're not looking to score, and it wasn't easy batting, so you can't suggest that they were just simply knocking balls back to the bowler that could have been scored off. But yeah. um, it, it did start to look like that India were dictating terms. They were setting the fields that they wanted to, that their, their bowlers are so, their spin bowlers are so accurate that they can just keep landing the ball in the same spot. And you just think that on that sort of surface, you're going to get a ball that does something um, irrational or you get one that you think is going to spin that goes straight on as uh, Peter Hanscom and Mitchell Marsh did. Um, but then again, when Stephen Smith did look to sort of up the pace and came down the pitch to to Ravi Ashwin and didn't quite get to the pitch, but I guess like if, if he can be 90% to the pitch of the ball he was, but it just caught enough of the inside of the bat to, to fly to mid on. Um, so he was understandably dirty on that, but you just start to wonder whether that um, tactic of just batting time and having a set number of overs does start to... Um, become a, a negative in a way in that you you then have to find ways of scoring you can't just be out there look at the scoreboard at the end of the f- day two or day and a half and say yes we batted 150 overs but we've only got 380 on the board so we're not really where we wanted to be anyway so it's a it's an interesting balance they'll need to strike there mm, mm. Uh, well the loss of Hanscom's so wicket Matthew Renshaw return after about two and a half hours in the change rooms. Looked very solid too. Did look solid. You stole my punchline later on, but that's all right. We'll keep going. Then there was a bit of a collapse. Australia lost four for 15. Steve O'Keefe was out to a spectacular catch by wicketkeeper Ritterman Saha. Full diving, one-handed effort to his right. Just an absolute pearl. Head to cricket.com.au for that vision. Amongst the collapse was Renshaw's wicket for 68. It was very impressive, wasn't he? Rambo, it's only 20 years old, as you said. Fifth test match, playing his first in subcontinent. He played and missed a lot early, but he's done that basically throughout his fledgling test career. And either side of the illness, he looked fairly solid, didn't he? Oh, good line. There um, you go. Probably, he was probably the guy who was uh, under the most scrutiny coming into this test in terms of his um, technique and his uh, ability to adapt to Indian conditions. A, because he's never set foot in India until 10 days ago, and B, um, much was made after his century in Sydney last month that he wasn't guaranteed a starting spot in India because mm. they weren't sure that he did have the game for these conditions. So for him to have top scored, uh, albeit with Mitchell Stark not out overnight, um, is a, a real sort of feather in his cap, I think. It's going to show that he's not just got the temperament, but he's also got a preparedness to to, to learn on the job um, and that he can adapt his technique to, to bat against. Because he, you know, he wasn't like he was... Um, fortunate getting to 68 he played some very good shots he even hit Ravindra Jadeja for six over mid-wicket a hefty aggressive blow coming down the pitch and taking him on so he's not frightened to uh, use his feet and hit the spinners over the top so uh, that's what's always been the feature of his game I think he he knows what his strong suits are he'll he'll let a lot of balls go but then when you get one in his zone he'll uh, he'll take it on He's a big guy. He's about six three or six four. He used that reach really well. He got big stride down the crease, and he, like you see, played within his means. There were no cut shots. There were very few cross bat shots at all. Really, I think just little flicks off his legs and turns to the leg side. Then he 
cover drove a, a couple of deliveries and then as you said he came down the wicket and, and lofted a couple of deliveries over the leg side for four so really a very impressive and not one that showed a lot of maturity for a guy who's only 20 years old moving on at nine for 205 it looked like australia Rambo might have had a half an hour or so at the Indian top order before stumps, but that notion was banished by Mitchell Stark, who hit five fours and three sixes in his 58-ball knock of 57. He's he's providing a lot of lower-order runs of late for Australia. It's his second-half century in three test matches, and one that was vital in the end because if Australia got rolled for 210 or so, that day would have definitely 100% been India's. Yes, he kind of indicated that he wasn't that keen to bowl, I would have thought, uh, in the last half hour. Um, but... It, it wasn't just injudicious slogging either. He was—he uh, may have sent a bit of a template for some of the others up the order that, you know, he was studious in his defence. He picked the balls that he thought landed in the the area that was in his hitting zone, and mm. he is a a very clean striker of the ball. Um, and it was at a time of the game when India were looking to wrap it up, so they had a lot of players in and around the bat, so that there were big gaps in the outfields. The risk of miss hitting one was probably minimised, but also if we, the last wicket pair. Um, you've got nothing to lose, have you? But uh, you know, he um, showed that if you take them on, there are runs to be got. Uh, if you hit through the line of the ball on that pitch, it's not going to do something fiendishly mysterious. And he had very good support from Josh Hazelwood, who batted uh, for quite some time. He was out there for almost an hour, I think, for his one. 51 minutes? That's almost an hour That's in my money. Yep. <laughs> so how do you see day two panning out? I think it'll be sunny and warm. Um, mm. I think that... Uh, any runs they get from here in the morning are probably bonus runs, as we said, if they can push somehow towards 300. Um, and the way they batted uh, tonight, you'd have to think that's not completely beyond the realms of reality. Um, that really gives them something to bowl at, I think, um, if they can nip a couple of the Indians out early because batting is only going to get more difficult on that pitch. You're going to have then you know, a couple of big fast bowlers, and certainly you know, the left-arm fast bowler Mitchell Stark creating footmarks in different places uh, yeah. into which the spinners can then bowl um, you think the Indian batsmen uh, who are used to so used to these conditions might not be as uh, challenged as the Australians were against spin bowling but um, there is always going to be the ball that plays tricks and no matter how good a batter you are if you're Virat Kohli and you get one that flies out of a, a yep. divot or leaps from a footmark you nothing you can do about that Bradman got ducks so if Bradman got ducks I'm sure Virat Kohli yeah, but also score ducks. Bradman never played in India either. He came here once, didn't he? Didn't get off the boat. Didn't get off the boat. No, that was a, a difficult time. <laughs> it was a long trip. Thank you, Rambo. We'll be back to review day two. We will, uh, as it live and as it happens. But until then, head to cricket.com.au for all your news, scores and video on Australia's Qantas Tour of India.